Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. In our previous episode, the rivalry between Dolph and Captain Tibor over Inga's love intensified, culminating in a brutal fight in which Dolph emerged victorious, humiliating Tibor in front of his men. Meanwhile, Avram's eldest daughter, Devora, makes a connection with Clara, a single mother who offered her a babysitting job. In addition, Avram's other daughter, Eden, faces discrimination in the school band due to her Jewish heritage and receives tutoring from family friend Ferenc aiming to secure a spot at the renowned Franz Liszt School of Music in Budapest for a special summer program. Lastly, Avram and his eldest son Isaac visit Avram's father Moshe when Isaac makes a shocking discovery. The Hungarian police are about to forcibly enter Moshe's house. Episode three, interior second floor balcony continuous. Isaac reaches a banister as Avram and Moshe rush into the foyer downstairs. The police are here. Isaac, I love you and your siblings very much. Go hide. Hurry. Even now you have to be a better father than me, Avram. Boop, boop. The door busts off its hinges as members of the Royal Hungarian Police Force flood in. They're led by an older Hungarian captain, 60s. Those doors were custom-made French villa. The captain approaches Moshe and wallops him in the gut. Avram moves to retaliate. The other officers draw their sidearms. Stand down. Avram complies. The police captain looks to his men. Search the house. As the officers quickly charge up the stairs. Interior Moshe's master bedroom a few moments later. Two officers enter, sweep the room, check under the bed, the closet, etc. One of the officers pockets Moshe's Jaeger Lakutra. Lakutra. One of the officers pockets Moshe's Jaeger Lakutra watch before leaving. Interior foyer, a few moments later. The two officers approach their captain. The house is empty, except for the maid. Avram Katz. Moshe Katz. You're under arrest for inciting rebellion. Moshe and Avram are escorted out of the house. Interior Moshe's bedroom a few moments later. Angle on the Baroque wardrobe as his doors slowly swing open, revealing Isaac's hiding spot. On Isaac, tiptoeing over to the window in time to see his father and grandfather led into the back of a military truck. Then, the police captain shakes hands with a uniformed military officer whom we recognize as the regiment commander from Avram's Jewish labor unit. Fade to black. Interior Ferenc's house, day. Branka opens the door. It's Eden lugging her cello. Eden, 10 minutes tardy. Eden steps in sheepishly. Interior study, Ferenc's house a moment later. Eden enters, unpacks her cello. Ferenc sits next to her. Mathematics held our class because of a fire drill. Shh, Herr Schoenor received word today. Alfred Holtz of the Franz Liszt Institute will be arriving into town two days from now. So, two days to be flawless. Two days to be flawless. A lifetime of regret if you fail. Ready yourself. It will be a long night. Ferenc nods, 
Eden begins playing a few chords, then stops herself. It's clear she's distracted. Sorry. A professional musician learns to turn a deaf ear to anything that could cause inattention or distraction. You're no longer a child playing a winter recital. You're a young woman striving to reach her creative potential. His hand pats, then cradles her knee. Again. Eden begins playing again, and the once neutral hand on her knee now slowly, ominously creeps up her thigh. Eden doesn't stop him, nor does she stop playing. He keeps going, higher now, past the hem of her skirt. This she stops, whips an angry look at him. Look at Herr Holtz. Don't look at me. Eden then slowly spreads her legs, and Ferenc's hand continues exploring north, inching higher up her skirt until he finds her crotch. Eden winces. It's the first time she's ever been touched. Eden immediately stops playing and removes his hand from under her skirt. Silence. Until... How could she? I thought you were my friend. I am. But I can be so much more if you let me. Frank leans in and tries to kiss her. This time a little rougher, forcing her to shove him off. I will not let you. I will never let you. Which freezes Frank as Eden packs up her cello. Uh, uh, please forgive me. Don't leave. Frank blocks the door. Few people have mastered the cello as you have. Let me go. Frank moves as she opens the door. I will regret this moment forever, but where else will you go for help? Herr Schooner will not have you. The students all hate you. Eden tears up, then leaves, slamming the door behind her. Interior foyer, continuous. Eden briskly walks out, passing Bronca setting the table. Eden, what's wrong? Eden ignores her. Off Bronca, clueless. Interior living room, Cat's family house, afternoon. Benny Goodman's moonlight serenade plays over the radio. Wolf is in the kitchen doorway. Dove and Inga on the couch. All three watch as Devorah paces, energized. I'd be nanny to their children. Young ones, not much older than Goody and Sarah. The extra money would be a godsend. Will you quit the salon? I'll shift my days to the weekends. Unlike Rosie, that old hag, Clara has an amazing sweetness to her. Under which the front door swings open. It's Isaac. Isn't you in the kitchen? She's putting down the twins for a nap. How's Budapest? Are you wearing cologne? Isaac waves him off, shouts. And you? Where's Papa? Still hampered by his injuries, Dove slowly rises off the couch as Sari enters. Shh, the twins are asleep. Is your father outside? Isaac, where is he? He and grandfather were arrested. Sari's jaw drops. The rest of the family is in shock. When can I What's see him? What's the charge? I have no answer for either. This was Tibor. Isaac nods. After a beat. Go ahead, brother. Say how I brought this on, that this is my fault. Isaac lowers his head, refusing to answer, opting to take the high road. Sari, in an almost fugue-like state, crosses the room and into her bedroom. Mother? Mother? But Sari ignores her, slams the door shut. Interior Sari's room, continuous. Sari covers her mouth as tears pour out, absorbed in grief. Interior living room, continuous. 
The siblings hear Sari's crying through the door. After a moment... Why is Tipor doing this? A Jew beat him in the middle of the town and in front of his men. The same Jew who stole his woman. I was never his woman. Dove begins to walk away. Where are you going? To the police station to make peace. It's not peace he wants. As they all look to Inga. What he wants, he'll never have, but I should try regardless. Sari opens her bedroom door and stares pointedly at Inga for a long, uncomfortable moment. Then... Our world has turned to mud since you came into our lives. Go. Can we get uh, just even bigger angry? Yeah. It's almost through tears. Okay. I stuck up for you. I believed in you. I was the one who let you come into our family in the first place. Our world has turned to mud since you came into our lives. Anya, stop. I want her out of your father's house now. Get out! Inga is mortified but tries to keep her composure. It's okay, Dove. I'll go. As Inga heads for the door. I'm sorry about your husband. She was a whore in her mother's belly. Sire retreats back into her room, slamming the door. As Inga exits, Eden crosses in, clearly upset. Where's Anu? I need to speak to her. Not now, Eden. Interior kitchen, Kat's family home later. Sari's chopping carrots into rough chunks for a dinner soup. Still unable to cope with her emotions, she lays down the knife, taking deep breaths to calm herself. The phone rings. Interior, Devora and Eden's bedroom, Kat's family home night. Eden lies on her side atop her bed, cradling a pillow, eyes puffy with tears, listening to Judy Garland's Jitterbug from the Wizard of Oz album. Eden? Eden wipes her eyes, gathers herself. Interior kitchen, continuous. Eden enters. Sari is at the counter chopping carrots. Sari stops chopping, turns. Ferent called. He told me everything about your dismissal from the orchestra, the summer scholarship. He also mentioned there was a misunderstanding between you two. Eden stiffens. It, it was nothing. Compared to father's arrest, all of it's nothing. Ferenc has been a good friend to our family. If he can help you... He can't. No one can. Sari measures her daughter's dejection. Adjusts. When I was your age, or a year older perhaps, I was a dancer. Ballet. My teacher called me a young Anna Pavlova. At our opening of Giselle, I received 11 curtain calls. Weak ankles. To a dancer, that's death. If your father were here, he'd tell you to find a way to be heard, to trust in your talents. Eden nods. It's the hope she needs. That he's a man. And men are always optimistic that unwinnable battles can be won. And while men dream of one day win, it's the women who are left alone after the battle's fault when the men are gone waiting for a day that will never come. My dear, you are a woman and a Jew. Set aside your dreams. Life will no doubt squash them, as it already has. Flush with disappointment, Eden watches the ease in which her mother returns to slicing carrots. Hold on, Eden. Wheels spinning. Exterior police station evening. Dove approaches the police station, nervous, scared, determined. 
He squares his shoulders and enters. Interior Captain Tibor's office, evening. Find Captain Tibor at his desk, about to eat his dinner. A whole chicken, side of pickled cabbage. Officer Alaric enters, indicates Dove in the squad room. He's asking to speak to you. Captain Tibor considers this. Check him for a weapon. Captain Tibor rises, yanks off a drumstick, and heads into the squad room. Interior squad room continuous. The uniforms fall silent as Captain Tibor approaches Dove. Tibor takes a bite of the drumstick. Officer Alaric pats down Dove. He's clean. May I have a word in private, Captain? A private word isn't necessary. Our dispute shouldn't extend to my family. My father and grandfather were arrested in Budapest. I assume under your orders? Mm. Inciting rebellion is a crime too serious to ignore. Captain, remember the love you have for your father and grandfather. My father was my world. I'm here to secure mine's release and put an end to our hostilities. Captain Tibor takes another bite of his drumstick, drawing out each chew and chomp to make Dove wait for his response. How do we uh, accomplish such a thing? I thought you might suggest the proper course. An apologies in order. Name the slight. Only one comes to mind. Dove anticipates it having something to do with Inga. During our fight, a fight meant for fists, you wielded a weapon. It was an act of cowardice. It was. It was. I'm truly sorry. <laughs> no. No, no, no. An apology is more genuine when a man is truly humble. Lower your pants. Excuse me? Humble yourself. Show contrition. Dove undoes his belt buckle, then slowly, shyly slides his pants down to his ankles. It's humiliating. All of it. Dove complies. Lowering his underwear, too. <laughs> I've always heard how you people cut yourselves. <laughs> it's like a skinless sausage. <laughs> Officers whoop and holler. All except Alaric. Captain, I apologize for not accepting defeat at your hands. And, and wielding a weapon... And wielding a weapon. Captain Tibor finishes off his drumstick, tossing a bone at Doe's feet. <laughs> Consider our feud at an end. Captain Tibor heads toward his office. What about my father and grandfather? Sir, can I bring them home? Yes, you may. If it were in my power... Sadly, it is not. Crushed and humiliated, Dove pulls up his pants, off which... Exterior police precinct, night. Dove exits to find Isaac and Wolf leaning against the car waiting for him. The look on his face says it all. Interior car, night. Isaac's driving, 
Doe's in the front seat, Wolf the back. After a few beats of silence, Isaac turns to Dove. It's clear what you're thinking, but I assure you, killing a police captain because he shamed you is madness. Dove's eyes shift, opts not to respond. Wolf leans forward. He's not you. The world wrongs him, and he can't accept it. I accept it because I must. I have a family. You were a police officer, and they took that away. You were a butcher, they took that away too. Soon, there'll be nothing left. Except that stick up my ass. Silence for a few moments. Then Dove turns to Isaac. Wolf's right. The only piece with Tibor comes from the end of a knife. It's not just for what he's done to me or to Papa, but what he will continue to do to all of us. If Tibor is killed, no matter which one of us wields the blade, it will be you who's arrested. Or worse. I'll be dead to you soon anyway, brother. Why should that bother you? As Isaac absorbs this dig, a speeding car driving behind them fires off a flurry of honks. What the... The car pulls alongside them. It's Alaric. Do you know the old Pollock house? Meet me there in an hour. It's about your father. Alaric speeds ahead. Off the brothers. Wary. Exterior old Pollock house. Night. Isaac slowly creeps the car to a park. Then he and his brothers get out. Wolf draws his knife. Interior old Pollock house. Night. Dilapidated. No one's lived here in years. Isaac, Dove, and Wolf enter. Find Alaric waiting. Alaric sees Wolf's knife unsheathed. You won't need that. Isaac, this has gone too far. I don't support how Tibor is pressing your family. You were one of us. It all began over a girl. Love can madden a man's heart. So can pressing a man's family. Alaric, we, we only want our father and grandfather released. I know, but... Tibor wasn't lying to Dove. He no longer has the authority to do so. Why not? They were assigned to a labor battalion on the Russian front. How can such punishment be legal? Tibor found the proof he needed in a letter your grandfather wrote to your father. The letter's still on the kitchen table. Ani was reading it over coffee this morning. He doesn't require the letter. Only someone to have read it and have knowledge of your father's trip to Budapest. Do you know of someone who would betray your family? Isaac nods slowly as the answer comes in a eureka moment. Thank you, Alaric. Alaric exits. Isaac looks to his brother. Georgie. The letter sat on the kitchen table while he stuffed his fat face with Shinekin. He's informing on Jews, brother. He has to answer for this. And he's no fucking police captain. Isaac considers this. Dove is on his own train of thought. Peter Laszlo's father was sent home from his labor unit in Yugoslavia. He tells a story of a man he knew. The guards made him into an ice sculpture. He was stripped, hosed down with water, and left out into the cold to freeze. Papa will die. And it's my fault. Isaac looks at Dove. Forgiveness and mercy in his eyes. No. It's not. The world shouldn't be this way. Don't look at the world as it should be, brother. But as it is. 
if this is the world as it is, then we will make it as it should be. Let him suffer and remember. Isaac nods to Wolf, who realizes Isaac's intention. Let him suffer and remember. They both look to Dove. Let him suffer and remember. Interior Isaac in Bella's bedroom, Kat's family home, night. Isaac stands over Janos asleep in his crib, the one gifted to him by Moshe, admiring the delicate craftsmanship. Isaac then turns his focus to Janos, gently caressing the curvature of his face as Rosa enters. His fever spikes, but then he's cool to the touch. Will you stay the night? Of course. Anytime. Isaac and Rosa share a look. He considers her kindness. His heart grows heavy. Exterior Cat's family home, night. Isaac, Dove, and Wolf walk out of the house with rifles cradled in their arms. Hats pulled low. Scars wrapped around their necks. Headlights wash across the house and barn as a truck pulls up to the farm. The driver gets out. It's Uncle Yehuda, carrying a coil of rope. Determined nods are exchanged. They throw the weapons in the truck bed. Isaac sits in front, Dove and Wolf in the truck cab. As the truck barrels through the night, down a winding country road, we time cut to exterior Georgie's cottage night. Georgie stumbles half-drunk out of his cottage, buttoning up his coat as he does. A loud whinny from a horse in the barn seems to be sounding an alarm, but Georgie seems more annoyed than concerned, grumbling, God damn it! God damn it, under his breath. Georgie shuffles to the barn, pulls the door wide, enters. Interior Georgie's barn night. Georgie stops in his tracks. He finds a lantern on the chopping block, backlighting Dove and Isaac. Who's there? Show yourself. Dove and Isaac step into view, level their rifles at Georgie. Georgie's face wands. No doubt why they're here. You! Georgie backs up toward the door, turns to escape, but whack! He runs into a meat cleaver, wholly ah. wielded by Wolf. Georgie collapses, screaming and writhing in pain. You silly fucking Jews! Wolf quickly draws his knife, nods to his brothers who move with a determined fluidity. Isaac pins down Georgie's legs, similar to the way he did Janos's during the bris, which he realizes as he does it. Dove pins Georgie's arms. Wolf grabs Georgie by the hair and yanks his head back, exposing his neck. Then, in one smooth motion, Wolf slices Georgie's neck open like a cow to slaughter. The brothers release their hold on Georgie and watch as his body convulses until ultimately bleeding out. Isaac, Dove, and Wolf exchange a dark look of no return. Then Dove moves back to Georgie's body, kneels, as the camera pans over each sibling, we hear Avram's voice. Dove Solomon. Isaac Nathaniel. Wolf Adam. Exterior grassy field, tree-lined night. Back to the minefield. Avram's story. We're picking up a short time later after Moshe's death. On Avram as he repeats the names of his sons to himself. Find the regiment commander as he selects the next five Jews to walk the minefield. It's time, Rabbi. 
Avram reluctantly lines up with four other Jewish men at the edge of the minefield. The look in his eyes, the fear of a man staring down the end of his life. He startles as, forward! Avram takes a halting, hesitant step forward. You were given the name Janos Isaac, and you are the blessed son of Isaac Nathaniel, who is my son. Then another step, and another, and another. Then, boom! The landmine explodes to Avram's left, sending debris and blood into the air. Avram keeps walking, focusing on a faint path in the grass and following it. And I am the son of Moshe Abraham. And he is the son of Mordechai Yusuf. Avram trails off as the bloodied body comes into view. It's Moshe. The old man lies on his back, arms held open at his side, peaceful eyes looking to the sky. Avram wills himself to look away and walk on. He resumes his prayer, a frantic edge creeping in. Janos Isaac, Devorah Judith, Eden Sarah, Sandor Ben Yaakov. Avram searches the ground for any sign of a wrong step, but the grass is thick. Each step may be life, each step may be death. He pauses to the chagrin of the Hungarian officers who can be faintly heard egging him on. Avram looks to his right, and there across the field is a saiga antelope, the same one we saw in the opening. Avram and the antelope hold their gaze. Not even a whistling bullet in the grass break their uncanny connection in this moment. Then, the moment ends as the antelope spooks and runs into the trees, disappearing from view. Avram looks down and reacts to what he sees in the grass before him. His next step had the animal not caught his attention a landmine. Avram carefully steps over it, trying not to be obvious and continues on, step after step. He closes his eyes, continues walking until he successfully reaches the tree line. He's alive. Bezras Hashem. Avram breathes a sigh of relief. He turns to see the regiment commander on the opposite side of the field sees sending Jews into the minefield and call for a runner. Interior, Devorah in Eden's room, night. Devorah is at her desk drafting a letter. We watch as she cursively writes her last lines. Yes, I accept your offer. I am so grateful, Devorah. She skims the letter once, then folds it in half, scribbling Clara in its center. Interior, Hotel Lennox Lobby, night. Through the entrance's glass-paned double doors, we see Devorah hop off her bicycle, then enter. She pulls up to the front desk, presents the letter to the hotel clerk, 60s male. Please deliver this to one of your guests. Clara, I don't know her last name. Blonde, German. A German hasn't stayed here since December 1939. Are you sure she's at the Lennox? Yes, I was in her suite this afternoon. She has two children. Her son limps in a leg brace. The hotel clerk checks over the registry. Sorry, miss. There's no Clara staying here. Take a look. Halts, Kovacs, two gentlemen from Budapest, having no wives and no children. Devorah skims the book, looks up, dumbfounded and confused. 
Exterior, Hotel Lennox, a few moments later. Devora walks toward her bicycle, mind spinning. Suddenly, a rush of panic glosses over her as she comes to a realization. Exterior, Crosha Street, night. Vacant of all pedestrians. Find Devora getting off her bike, something gnawing at her. She's now standing in front of the Crosha Street Salon. She looks next door to the travel agency storefront window and examines the item that held her attention earlier. It's a poster advertising international travel, a mother, Clara, leading a young boy, Hans, the boy's disabled, and girl, Heike, up air stairs onto a plane destined for Munich. Devor's eyes widen, begins piecing it together. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no. Devorah realizes the frightening truth. She had some kind of episode, and her conversations with Clara and her children never happened. They stemmed solely from her subconscious imagination. Devorah falls to her knees, crying. The sound of a cello playing slowly rises and takes us into interior, Devorah and Eden's room, morning. The cello's tune carries over a series of shots. Eden styling her hair in the mirror. Eden putting on a fancy dress. Eden tuning her cello. Interior, orchestra room, day. Under the cello, Herr Schulner and Ferenc flank Herr Hals, plump, 65, presenting him to their class. It is our deepest privilege to have you as our guest, Herr Holtz. You'll find our orchestra students a most adept bunch. Herr Holtz takes an empty seat among the students. The faculty chose Eden's seat is not lost on us. Lacey anxiously walks to the front of the class, flute in hand. Exterior thoroughfare, day. Under the cello, Eden walks into the middle of the street, cello strapped to her back, carrying a small stool. She unloads her instrument from its case, takes a seat, and readies her bow. Her eyes like ice, a picture of concentration. Eden begins her solo, playing into the cello piece we've heard thus far throughout the scenes. Exterior Georgie's farm, day. Under the cello, Officer Alaric salutes Captain Tibor, now beelining from his vehicle to Georgie's house. He passes Rosa, leaning on a fence in front of the farm's cow pen, weeping hysterically, being consoled by a neighbor. Bastards! Captain Tibor swings open the front door to find Georgie hung by his arms from ropes tied to the rafters, with a message scrawled on old parchment pinned to his chest. The message reads, Hurt Jews. But that's not the only message left behind by the perpetrators. 
Georgie's pants and underwear have been lowered to his ankles. That message is specifically left for Captain Tibor from Dove. Interior cowpens, Cast Brothers Butcher Shop Day. Under the cello, a melancholy moment grips Dove, Isaac, Wolf, and Uncle Yehuda as they scrub down their cows in preparation for sale, each silently contemplating last night's events. The camera locates a photograph hanging on the wall of Avram, Uncle Yehuda, and Avram's son standing in front of the shop. Exterior Ukrainian minefield day. Under the cello, Avram seated on a fallen log, sipping a bowl of soup along with what's left of his labor battalion. He's destroyed inside. He looks out across the field to where Moshe's body can barely be seen in the grass. Thundering forward through the narrow, mine-free expanse of terrain is a column of Nazi panzer tanks. The panzer captain, regaled in military uniform, with a crisp swastika armband on display, sits atop the lead vehicle surveying the Hungarian lines. As the panzer captain passes Avram, he smugly, half-heartedly salutes him. Avram stares blankly in return, spilling his soup on the ground, appetite lost. While the Nazi war machine of army group South rolls on, Avram looks into the forest, more specifically to the anointed area where he saw the antelope. The antelope has long since fled, but Avram considers the forest itself. He considers his distance from it. He considers his distance from the regiment commander. In Avram's eyes, we see a plan forming, a plan to escape. Interior orchestra room day. Under the cello, Lacey completes her flute solo. Hair halts, glares, unimpressed. However, his disappointment soon fades as he hears the pluming of a melody that does impress. Out the window, he spots Eden concerting in the street. Exterior thoroughfare, day. Under the cello, Herr Haltz, Herr Schulner, and Ferenc navigate themselves through a gathered crowd of bystanders to find Eden feverishly drawing and slicing her bow across the cello strings. Herr Haltz studies the tranquility of her motion, the sound of her play. This is the artistry he's been looking for. Lacey, Miklos, and the rest of the orchestra students now arrive. Lacey's blood boils. Eden's flawless performance plus an enthusiastic grin from Herr Haltz further fuels her jealousy. So much so, she picks up a clump of mud from the street and tosses it at Eden, striking her in the face. Eden stops playing for a moment, but then continues on. She won't be stopped. Miklos and the other children follow suit, balling up clumps of mud and heaving them at Eden. Mud bombs splatter her face, arms, and cello, but she remains undeterred. Shrugging off all detractors, she glances at Ferenc, who can barely meet her gaze. Lesson learned. Exterior, Katz Brothers Butcher Shop Day. Under the cello, Dove, Isaac, and Wolf, along with Uncle Yehuda, lock up the store, hop in their truck, and drive off. Find Captain Tibor staking out the butcher shop from his car parked in a nearby alley. Interior, Katz Brothers Butcher Shop Day. Captain Tibor shatters the glass door with a fireman's axe. He steps into the shop, raises the axe, destruction on his mind. Glass jars of pickles, the meat scale smashed. 
Then he spots the door to the slaughterhouse cow pens. Interior cow pens continuous. Tibor steps in. Axe, cows. We know what comes next. As he raises the axe, the photo of Avram and his sons on the wall catches his eye, stirring a memory. Flashback to a long dining room table, the seats filled with children of varying ages, six to 18. At the table's head stands a rough and tough fellow, 55, Tibor's father. Key on a boy we can assume is Tibor, 12, deep blue eyes, listening closely. The fact is, Jews are born of a low cultural level. They impersonate normal citizens, but their genetic deformities make them visibly and scientifically inferior. They're comparable to rats. They infest the society, bringing disease like typhus and cholera. Back to Tibor as he swings his axe down, cleaving into a cow's neck. The animal crumbles to the floor. Then Tibor maniacally hacks away at the rest of the cows, slaughtering the lot. Blood splatters on the walls, floor, and Tibor himself. But something other than anti-Semitism is provoking this level of violence. The memory goes deeper. Resume flashback to Tibor's father. Morally, the Jew is prone to hoarding his money on behalf of the communist banking consortium. Tibor, listen carefully. These things I've said are what the world believes about our people. Jewish people. Fuck. Captain Tibor is Jewish. Resume on Captain Tibor, standing in a pool of cow blood. He runs his index finger along the puddle, then scrawls out a message on the wall. Killers, accompanied by a Jewish star. Interior thoroughfare day, under the cello. Mud is still being hurled at Eden as she continues to play. When her solo reaches its crescendo, the mud projectiles become few and far between until stopping altogether. Perhaps the student's arms grew tired. Perhaps she's won them over. Or perhaps they realize this is a battle of wills they can never win. After Eden thunderously bows the last chord, the crowd of onlookers remains silent. No one dares move a muscle. Herr Schulner, Ferenc, Herr Holtz, and Lacey all frozen. Watch as Eden stands hauntingly over her cello, head to toe drenched in mud. She's no longer a girl. She's a symbol. A powerful display of strength, courage, and defiance. End of story. Jewish values and history. For over a century, Hyas has been there for refugees when and where they need help most. Now, in more than 20 countries around the world, we provide vital services to refugees and asylum seekers and advocate for their fundamental rights so they can rebuild their lives. 
Together, we can help create a world in which refugees find welcome, safety, and opportunity. To donate, volunteer, or for more ways to get involved, please visit www.hias.org. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with Calm Conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 